Uh, they are such a blessing. I'm glad I once was lost, but now I'm found. Amen. And I know I'm saved and on my way to heaven. I praise the Lord for that tonight. I pray that you know the very same thing as well. Amen. All right. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 2 tonight. Ephesians chapter 2. And uh, as we begin, uh, our text is going to start around verse 19. Uh, but as we look back just uh, real briefly on some things we hit on last week, uh, as we was going through this chapter, uh, and we was talking about uh, beginning around there in verse 11 uh, through about verses 18, uh, speaking of uh, how the Apostle Paul was talking about how the Gentiles, even though they at one time uh, were, uh, were on the outside, such as not a part of, uh, not a part of the uh, of the uh, of the, uh, the the faith, but now as he looks at them and sees you know, they've trusted Christ as their Savior, uh, he lets them know that the middle wall of partition that separated the Jews and the Gentiles because of Christ that that has now been uh, that has now been done away with, and so we praise the Lord for that. Uh, and as we continue looking down uh, through verses eleven to eighteen, it talked about how. Uh, the things that the Lord Jesus has done. Uh, I talked about uh, the there in verse 16, how he has reconciled uh, both unto God in one body, speaking both, talking about Jews and the Gentiles, uh, and both into one body. And how did that happen? That happened by the cross, having slain enmity thereby. And so we're talking about sin there. Uh, and so now there is no more Jew and Gentile. There is now just one body of Christ. Uh, and so now whenever we get saved, now, uh, it's, uh, uh, we, we don't look around and say, well, they're, they're not a part of us because they're from this place or they're from this place. No, we, we're all one body as we trust in the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior. Uh, and it doesn't matter where you're from, doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter what nationality you have or anything like that. Uh, as long as we believe and trust in Christ as our personal Savior, we become a part of the body of Christ. And there is no more Jew and Gentile. Uh, separation. We are all made into one body, and that is by the blood of Christ. And so, now we also talked about how we can see a picture of that, how whenever the Lord Jesus, when he died on the cross, that the veil was torn in twain from the top to the bottom, uh, opening up uh, access to, uh, to uh, open up access to the Holy of Holies, not just to the Jew, but to everybody uh, who comes to the Lord. Whomsoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Uh, and so we can all boldly come before the throne of grace. And so we all have access to God. Now, as we get down to verse 19, uh, and, and that, in verses 19 to about verse 22, uh, we can see that the Apostle Paul continues his thought on the subject of the Jews and the Gentiles uh, who were at one time separated by uh, circumcision uh, that, that you see, that you can see him talking about that there in verse 11. Uh, they were one time separated by ordinances and separate, separated by circumcision, by the act, by the, uh, the act of circumcision. Uh, but now, uh, because of what Christ has done, uh, he has uh, made the way, showed the way of grace. And so it doesn't matter, the circumcision and the ordinances, and none of that matters anymore. You don't have to be circumcised to have a place in heaven. You don't have to be circumcised to be right with God. You don't have to carry out with the feast and do all the ordinances and all that things to, to have a seat at the table of the Lord. Uh, now it is all simply by putting your faith and trust in Christ. Uh, and so as he continues this thought and he gets down to verse 19, I want us to see a few things as uh, for the time that we have. Notice he says, now therefore you are no more strangers and foreigners, 
uh, but fellow citizens with the saints of the household of God. Now what's interesting also there in verse 19 is, of course, throughout these uh, next few verses, is that uh, the different uh, the different pictures, uh, 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 word pictures that he uses to describe uh, the Jews and the Gentiles coming together. And he says there in verse 19, he says, Now therefore you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints of the household of God. And so there in verse 19, we see the Apostle Paul using the idea of, uh, uh, of a city and, and folks that are uh, maybe uh, citizens of a country. And he says, you know what, now before you were looked at there in verse 11 and 12, he says you were looked at before as uh, seen as not being partakers of uh, uh, of the kingdom, not being partakers of the goodness of the Lord or in uh, uh, all of those things. He says, but now because of what the Lord Jesus has done, he says, you're no longer looking, we're no, no, we're no longer looking at a separate people. We're no longer looking at Jews and Gentiles. We're now, we're, we're not, we're now looking uh, at, uh, at one body that it's made up of all kinds of people, uh, and uh, for the Jews and the Gentiles alike. And he says, and so he says, you're no more strangers and foreigners. And so the idea is this: and when you when you think about what verse eleven says, uh, the idea is this: is that now that you're not because you see a foreigner and a stranger, they wouldn't have the rights and privileges that that nation that they were that they were in provided for them. Uh, provided for its, its own citizens. He says, but now what we see is, is that now because of what Christ has done, the Jews and Gentiles, they are now together, and the Jews and, and, and the Gentiles now have the same rights, uh, the same privileges, they have all the same, uh, uh, the, the same God, the same uh, Spirit, the same baptism, the same cross, the same heaven, the same forgiveness, the, the same love and grace and mercy uh, that everybody has. And so he says, you're now therefore no more strangers and foreigners, because listen, when we got saved, what happened is, is we became a part of the body of Christ. And so when we got saved, all of our sins were forgiven. They were washed away, never to be remembered ever again, cast into the depths of the sea, cast behind the back of the Lord, uh, not to ever be looked back and remembered ever again. Uh, and, so as, uh, and so we were able, the Jews, were, uh, the Gentiles, were not able to enjoy the very same, uh, the very same promises and the very same uh, covenants that were made uh, to the Jewish people. And so he says in verse 19, yeah, you have the same rights and the same privileges as being a part of the family of God. You have the same rights and the same privileges that any, uh, that any uh, citizen would have of their own country. He says before, there in verse 11, you were looked at as being on the outside. You were looked at as being a, a foreigner. You were looked at as being you know, uh, someone who was uh, a stranger or alien, so to speak. He says, but now because of what Christ has done, you are now all a part of the same body and you have the same rights and the same privileges and you are no more strangers and foreigners but fellow citizens. And so when the Apostle Paul is looking at the Jews and the Gentiles and he says, you know what, you're all on equal ground. You're all on equal ground. There's not, not listen. There's not one any better than the other. The Jews, uh, the Jewish, uh, the Jews aren't better than the Gentiles, and, and the Gentile believers aren't better than uh, than the others. You're all on equal footing. You're all on equal ground. You're all a part of the same body, which is made up in the Lord Jesus Christ. And the only reason why is because of the is because of the blood of the Savior, because of the cross. And that's what the Bible just stated uh, there up above us in there in verse 16. Uh, and that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity 
thereby. Uh, and so there in verse 19, you know more strangers, you know more foreigners, but fellow citizens together with the saints. What's interesting uh, too is, is when you think about this is uh, you kind of think, now see back back then they had, uh, uh, you had your, the citizens of the nation uh, and, you, and you had your, you know, your strangers and your foreigners, they weren't allowed to, back then, uh, they weren't allowed to own property in the place. They weren't allowed to, uh, they weren't allowed to even live or dwell in the place because they were considered to be foreigners and strangers. However, they, they had what they called sojourners. You ever heard of your sojourning group? They had the sojourners there. And the other lot the reason why there were the sojourners there was because they believed in the same God, but they hadn't been circumcised. They believed in the same God, they hadn't been circumcised. And so what the Jews would allow them to do is they wouldn't allow them to own any property. They would allow them to live there, but they could pay rent for somebody. You have to pay to, to live where you were at. Because you weren't allowed to own property. You weren't allowed to go into the temple because you hadn't been circumcised. That was only a place for the Jews to, uh, to go. And so they were, they had these like these different classes and these different scales. You know, uh, this, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the strangers, they couldn't do anything. They couldn't have, they were, they were without hope. They were lost. They couldn't have anything. Now the sojourners, now they could live there, but, uh, but they had to, they had to, they couldn't own property. They had to pay rent. They couldn't go to the temple and they also, because they were circumcised, they weren't able to uh, meet the requirements to make it into heaven. Man, how about that? But you know what the Apostle Paul, he looks at him and he says, let me tell you something. He says, there is no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints of the household of God. And so when he says household of God, that's extremely important too. Because now we're not just talking about, we're not just talking about citizens of a country that now have the same equal rights as those uh, that have come in. He says, now we're talking about the household of God. We're talking about a family unit. So whenever you get saved, you become a part of what? A family. God's family. And it don't matter where you got in. It don't matter what part of the world that you got saved from. I mean, if you got saved down in the Philippines, and man, you're just as much as a part of the family as God as I am here born in America. And it doesn't matter where you're born in Germany or whether you're or what nationality you are. It doesn't matter where you are from. Man, if you trust the Christ as your personal Savior, and you've been blood-bought by the Lord Jesus, you are just as much a child of God as this man that stands here tonight. And so we're all equal. We're all, we all come before, uh, we all had to come to Christ the same way before the cross. And, and the Lord Jesus, uh, tells us, or well, the Bible shows us here that there is no more strangers. There's no more foreigners, but there is fellow citizens with the saints of the household of God. In other words, we're all family. So whenever he says the household of God, he's looking now towards the family unit. Well, now we're not, so that's another picture that he uses here. He, 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 he's not just talking about uh, fellow citizens, uh, these people that become a citizen of this country and now they have the same rights and privileges. Now he's talking about, listen, uh, now because of what Christ has done and because you believe on him and because I believe on him, now we are part of the same family, the same family unit. And I praise the Lord for that. Listen, the Bible says that God's no respecter of persons. Amen. He doesn't love you no more than he loves me. He doesn't respect you no more than he respects me. Listen, he, he's no respecter of persons. And so uh, the Bible says that, he, that they come together on this, under the same household of God. The same house. There in verse 20. The Bible says, And are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Now when you think about the different foundations that the Bible talks about, there's a number of different things. Of course, 
In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, uh, there in verse 11, uh, I do have a couple of places here that uh, that uh, you don't necessarily have to turn there tonight, but if you want to, you can. But I'm going to read them real quick. But if you don't, at least jot it down. Uh, what are some foundations that we can think about that the Bible says? Well, in 1 Corinthians 3, verse 11, the Bible says, For other foundation can no man lay than is laid, which is Jesus Christ. And so Jesus Christ, the Bible says, there is no foundation that another man can lay than the Lord Jesus Christ. Now think about this. So that's 1 Corinthians chapter 3, there in verse 11. Now jot this down. We go back to uh, the book of Matthew in chapter 7 in verses 24 to 26. And what would the, the scripture there talks about how uh, a man that built us, talks about a man that built his house on the rock and a man that built his house on the sand. And what did the Lord Jesus say whenever he was given those uh, parables there? He says, a man that builds, builds his house upon a rock, in essence, really, Pastor Brown paraphrase, is a man that insists to what I say to do and he's, and he's applied that to his life and that's how he's living his life. He's living his life according to the teachings that I have taught him. But he can also desire to live his life on the sinking sands of the world and, and, and live his life according to the philosophy and the uh, and the doctrine and the ideology of this world. He said, well, I can tell you what, you're going to build your life on the sinking sand and the waves are going to come and it's going to wash it completely away. And so we can see that part of the foundation is on the Lord Jesus, but it's also a part of his teachings, what the Lord Jesus taught. And he says, listen, we are not only a part, we are not only citizens now together, but uh, of uh, uh, of the same country, uh, but we are also under the same household of God, where we are a family. But he also says there in verse 20 that we are all built together upon the same foundation. Listen, you in other, in other words, for, for us to be built together, now we're talking about a building that's being built. And for and, and when this building starts, it begins with the foundation, and that foundation is the Lord. And then and then uh, as we build upon that, uh, we, we see that the, the, uh, the doctrines uh, are, are set in place. Look at verse 19. No, I'm sorry there, verse 20. He says, And are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Uh, and so the Lord Jesus is the foundation. Uh, part, of the, uh, part of the other pillars and part of the other foundations that we see that are laid upon another is uh, the foundation. Listen, the church uh, lives and thrives tonight on what? The doctrines that we see that have been set forth in the Word of God. That's how we know what to believe. That's how we know what to do. That's how we know what to practice. That's how we know what is right and what is true and what is false. The doctrines that God has laid forth in His Word. The Lord Jesus Christ uh, uh, it, it is, uh, is the foundation. Uh, he is the one that died on the cross and made the way possible. And it is through His teachings that was expounded through His prophets and His, and his apostles that, that have taught us, that, that teach us tonight that we can trust in that and believe in that and we know how we are to, uh, we know what we are to believe. And so the foundation, our Christian life, is built firstly on the Lord Jesus Christ. You remember what uh, in Matthew chapter 16, whenever uh, Christ was talking to Peter and, uh, and uh, all the people were there, and he said, who, do you, who, do, who does everybody say I am? And they said, well, some say you're Elias, and some say you're him, and some say, he said, well, who do you say I am? He said, we say that you're the son of God. And, and the Lord Jesus looked at him and said, upon this rock I'll build my church. And so the whole foundation of the church itself is the Lord Jesus. Upon this rock, upon the Lord Jesus, the Bible says that he will, uh, that he will build his church. Upon on that foundation and upon the, what he teaches you build your house upon the rock so that when the waves come and the world comes and doubt comes and all these things come that the house may be able to withstand as Lord Jesus taught there in the gospels 
and so uh, it's also founded by the uh, the apostles and the prophets, the doctrines and the teachings that are taught uh, through them uh, through, uh, by the Lord Jesus. There in verse 20, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. You say, well, what's so, what's so, what's so great about being the chief cornerstone? I mean, the Bible says that not only is Lord Jesus is in the foundation, but also describes him as being the chief cornerstone. Well, the chief cornerstone is especially important. Now, when you're building the building, uh, that chief cornerstone is something that has to do one thing. That's what it does everything. But one of the things it does is it bears the load. Bears the load. The chief cornerstone bears the load. It's that. Uh, it's uh, uh, It's when two walls come together, and that cornerstone is right there on the bottom. And that cornerstone is going to bear the brunt, going to bear the load of everything that's coming down uh, on uh, from the building on that corner right there. Now, if there's something wrong with that cornerstone, if, that, if there's something wrong with that, then everything else is going to falter. Everything else is going to be out of line. Everything else isn't going to be right. And so the chief. And so the, the Bible says that Christ. Is the chief cornerstone. The chief cornerstone. He is the one that can bear the load. He is the one that is the most important out of every single one that there is. The chief cornerstone. That's what he is. And so the chief cornerstone also, before they laid that chief cornerstone down, you know what they did? They inspected that chief cornerstone to make sure there wasn't nothing wrong with it before they put it down there. Isn't that what the Lord Jesus also, uh, that he was, uh, he was uh, our sacrifice without stuff? without spot, without blemish, they wasn't nothing wrong with it whatsoever. They tried to do everything they could to examine, find something wrong. They couldn't find nothing. And so the Lord Jesus, He is that chief cornerstone. And before the builders put that cornerstone down there, they look at it, they examine it. They want to make sure there's no cracks. They want to make sure there's no chips on it. They want to make sure it's not falling apart. Because if it is, they're not going to use it. They're going to put the very best one that they have right there on that corner. And that's the He's the very best one. He is the chief cornerstone. And without, and without the chief cornerstone, everything else would fall apart. Everything else would cave in. Everything else wouldn't line up. Everything else would be, uh, uh, everything else would be different. And so, the Bible says in verse 20 that we are built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Isaiah chapter 28 and uh, verse 26. The Bible says this. I'm sorry, Isaiah chapter 28 and verse 16. The Bible says this, Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I lay in Zion for a foundation. Watch this now, listen to it. I lay in Zion for a foundation, a stone, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. He that believeth shall not make haste. So in other words, we see that those who believe, those who believe that Christ is all these things, they will, they will do everything they can to come to know and see and, uh, and trust the cornerstone as quickly as possible. He says that, uh, that the Lord is, uh, is the chief cornerstone. He is a tried cornerstone. And he is the, uh, he is the, uh, the, uh, the most, uh, well-built cornerstone. He is the one that we trust in. There in verse 20, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone there in verse 21 as he continues these picture images of who we are as a body of christ and so you can tell you can see what he's done from verse 11 down to verse 20 as he's taken the separation from the people the jews and the gentiles and he's brought them together and and showed them that the glue that and what made that possible was Lord Jesus Christ. What brought them together, what made them one, 
was the Lord Jesus. They were separated, but now Christ brought them together. And as, that, as now they are being brought together, he lets them know in verse 19 that because you're together, you are now fellow citizens of the same country. You are now on your way to heaven. You've trusted Christ as your Savior. You're no more different. You are now a part of the same body. You're now fellow citizens. You all have the same rights and privileges. And, 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 the, and the, uh, uh, the ordinances don't matter anymore. The circumcision doesn't matter anymore. What matters is, is that you put your faith and trust in Christ. And that is it. And so there in verse 20, he says, now, not only are you part of the household of God, but he says but that you're now a family. And so you can see how he takes, now watch this now, look at it. You see there in verse 11, he took them, they were way out here, separated one from another. And then as, you, as we close in from verses 11 to 20, notice what happens. They are separated from here to here, Jew and Gentile. What brought them together was Christ. And so now they're coming together. And as they come together, notice how he funnels them in. He funnels them in even closer by saying, now you are fellow citizens. But then when he got done saying you're fellow citizens, he took it a step further and funneled them in a little bit tighter. It says not only are you citizens, but you're now family. You see how he took those that were separated way out here and he just kept funneling them in closer and closer and closer and closer and closer. Because that's what he needed them to see. They were so stuck for so long on being so separated and hating one each other, hating one another for all these different things. And so he's trying to get them to see, he's trying to show them gradually, little by little, how he can bring them in together so they can see that we are now one body, we are now one unit. And so there in verse two, there in verse two, he said, uh, I'm sorry, verse 21, he says, in whom, as we're talking about this building, he says, in whom? Now, who's the in whom? Well, that is Christ. And so he said, because he's the chief cornerstone that we just talked about in verse 20. Uh, and so he says, in whom all the building, all the building, watch this now, all the building fitly framed together groweth unto a holy temple in the Lord. Now, watch this. This is, this is, this is great. Watch what happens. As it gets down to the verse 21, he says, in whom, talking about Christ. Now, now because we're all in Christ, both Jew and Gentile, because we're now all in Christ, watch what happens. He says all the building, the whole thing, this is the, the, the chief cornerstone, all the blocks, everything, everything all together, the whole building all together. He says it's all, he says the whole building is fitly, watch that now, the whole building is fitly framed together. Fitly framed together. You ever been working on a house or maybe done some floor or done something like that and you come across some things that were like a tongue, tongue and groove and it was all coming together just like this and the reason why it does that is so it'll hang on to each other so it'll be sturdy, so it'll be strong, so it'll be unmovable and steadfast which is what the Bible tells us to be as a people to be unmovable and steadfast and he says, you know what? You who were separated from each other. You who were at enemies and at odds with each other. Christ has brought all of you together. He has torn down the wall of partition that was between you. All the differences that you had and all the animosity and all the sin and all the enmity that was between all of you. When Jesus died on the cross and the temple and the, and, and, and the, uh, and the, uh, the veil uh, tore down the temple from the top to the bottom showing that this was a work of God and not from a work of man. Uh, because listen, if man would have went to the temple, he would have torn from the bottom up. 
But this was from the top down, showing that this was something that God was doing. And, 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 and he demonstrates and shows that listen, we were all we were all separated, but Christ came down on that cross. He brought everybody together. And now we're all citizens together. But we're also all family together. And he says, and I'll tell you what, we are so much family. I mean, we are so much of a family that we are fitly joined together, unseparable. Fitly joined together. And that's what the body of Christ ought to be. Fitly joined together, just like a tongue and groove. Fitly joined together. Now listen, when something is fitly joined together, if one moves, odds are, everybody's going to move. Is that right? I mean, if it's all fitly joined together, if something happens and one moves, they're probably all going to move together. And so the Bible shows us right here, and he says that they are fitly framed together. What's also interesting is this. As oftentimes back then, and I guess maybe some, sometimes even like today, they would take different materials, things made out of different things, and put them together. Here we see gods of Jews and Gentiles. Things, people that were different in their ideas and different in their beliefs and people that are in animosity with each other and all these different things. And God took these over here that were made out of this and God took those over there that were made out of that completely different and He brought them all together. Framed together. Steadfast. Unmovable. Framed and built by the blood of Christ. And He says there we are framed together but watch this. This is the most interesting I don't know if I said the most but this is an interesting part of it. What's the next word? Watch it now. This building is what? It groweth. Now, I'm growing. The church is growing. But the building is the same size. And this building, this spiritual building, this this whole spiritual idea is what, what, the, what the Apostle Paul is teaching. Is all, it's all come together and this spiritual building the Jew and Gentile that were different in so many ways but now brought together as one under the blood of Christ. They are now framed together. They are steadfast. They are unmovable. They are one body. Listen, where my, uh, where my feet go, the rest of them is going to go. Right? I'm going to move along. I, I hope it continues to work that way. That I move along with the rest. If my feet go somewhere, the rest of my body is going to go over my feet. My whole body is going to move together. So we see that this building is supernatural. It's something that's not like any other thing we've ever seen. This building is something that is growing. And if it's growing, that means it's alive. I mean, it's alive. And so the body of Christ, Jews and Gentiles, doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter where you're from, under the blood of the Lord Jesus, what happens is that the Apostle Paul says that all of us all together, this building, it is now growing. It is. This is a supernatural act. This is something that nothing else can do. This is a body that is growing for the Lord. Growing for the Lord. Growing unto what? Growing unto a holy temple. In the Lord. And what is our objective as a body? To grow, right? We want to grow. 
I mean, that is the objective for all of us here tonight, is to grow in the Lord. That's the objective of our church. That should be the objective of every single one of us here tonight, is to be constantly being conformed in His image and growing in the grace and knowledge of the Lord, growing in Christ every day, growing in Christ. To the idea that as, as I grow, there's one thing that I want to do, is I want to be holy as He is holy. And that's what the Bible says. It's right here. Look, look at the next word. He says, uh, frame together, groweth unto a holy temple in the Lord. Now, I'll look at this church and, you know, the blocks and the bricks and, you know, and all the things, everything that the church is made out of. And, and it means a lot to me. Yes, it does. But you know what means more to me than the mortar? And and the uh, and all the the pews and the bricks and the block and the and the wood and you know what means more to me than any all and than any of that the church that's the body that sits right out here that's what's most important because the body of Christ is not a building it is the people but the apostle Paul is using the idea of a building describing what the body of Christ is like. That we are fitly framed, that we are framed together, and that we are growing unto a holy temple in the Lord. And so the body of Christ is a temple of the Lord. What, what, uh, what the Bible tell us in, uh, let's see, what verse was it? Uh, it's uh, 2 Corinthians, I believe, uh, chapter 6 and verse 16. The Bible tells us that we, now our bodies, are the temple of the Lord. And because we are the temple, because our bodies are the temple of the Lord, what happens is that we are now fairly framed together, every single one of us, and we are growing together to be a holy temple unto the Lord. We're not just sitting here talking about there in the last part of that verse. We're not talking about a, uh, a physical building. But we're talking about all God's people who are in essence united together, linked together because of the blood of Christ and we are linked together, united together, and that we are growing together. We are growing together to be whole, to be a holy temple unto the Lord. We want to be, and, and as we grow together to be a holy temple unto the Lord, what we want to do is, is constantly, of course, as always, do those things that are pleasing in this sight. Be obedient to what the word, uh, the, what the word of God says. And so he says, we grow unto a holy temple in the Lord, the body of Christ. But I mean, we can, and I'm not going to harp on this, and I ain't going to jump on it long, but, but we can look out in society today and we can see that there's a lot of, and I'm going to use a physical building, a lot of uh, churches out here today that are not a holy temple unto the Lord. I mean, just because it has a steeple on it doesn't mean that it's a godly place. Just because it says Baptist on it don't mean it either. Listen, I'm just telling you tonight that, and you know just as well as I do, you find a, you find a good Bible preaching, teaching church, and you found something. You found something. And the Bible says the fitly, the framed groweth unto a holy temple in the Lord. And that is our purpose and that is our goal. It's to hold on to one another, framed together. And, and if anything moves, then we're all, if anyone moves, we all move. And so the Bible shows us that we're going to grow together. This is a supernatural thing. And our objective is, is as a church, as a church body, is to be a holy temple unto the Lord. 
For the, for the church to be holy unto God. To represent holiness. To represent righteousness. That's what gospel life should represent. That's what the Christian body should represent. Amen? Not just gospel life, but that's what the Christian body in general should represent. Should represent holiness. Now, the last one. And we'll go home. The Bible says in verse 22, he says, in whom... You also say, I like those, I like when he says in whom, because it is in Christ that these things happen. In whom uh, ye also are builded together for habitation of God through the Spirit. Which I believe, therefore, once again, will be a good place to put down 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 16, which talks about how we are the temple of God. And the Bible says, in whom ye, now ye means what? Southern phrase means y'all. In whom you, you all, in whom from the south, y'all, in whom y'all also are builded together for a habitation of God through the Spirit. And so what is the, what is the body of Christ supposed to do? We're all temples of, we're all temples of the, of the Lord. We're all, we're, we're all temples of the Lord. When we got saved, the Holy Spirit of God came and He lived and dwelt inside of us and He sealed Himself inside. And so we became, our bodies become a temple of the Lord. And what is this temple supposed to do? Well, this temple is linked to this temple. And this temple is linked to that temple. And all the temples are linked together. And what is all, what is the, what is the goal for all the temples to do? To make sure that we are holy unto God. Our bodies are holy unto God. They're making, making sure that we are uh, making sure that we are uh, uh, doing what we can to be this uh, this place, uh, this habitation uh, for God uh, to, to 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 work in and to and to empower. And I'll, and I'll stop with this. You say, why is all that so important? You know, we're talking about the the body. You know, I'm the temple, and He's the temple, and my temple is linked to His temple, and all of us are linked together. Why is it so important that that one of the, that we try to seek to make sure that the temple? See, my, I need to make sure that my temple is is holy unto the Lord. That I am living my life to, to be well pleasing to the Lord, and He needs to make sure He's doing the same thing. And as and as what we're doing this is because we're all framed together. All of us we're little, we're, we're little temples, but all the little temples make make up a big temple. Does that make sense? Think of it like this. But if there's but if Think about this. Let's say I'm looking at my body. And let's say that my arm is attached to my body. But let's say there's something terribly wrong with it. And, uh, and it's diseased. And it's got a lot of issues. Is the rest of my body going to suffer? Because of this. Because of what this arm is going through. Sure it is. So it's important for me to understand that this right here, because I'm fitly framed at it, because this is fitly framed in my shoulder, and my shoulder is framed at everything else that's a part of me, that what affects this is going to affect this as well. Does that make sense? Yeah. Let me put it to you like this. How many of you have ever got a toothache? How many of you have ever got a toothache and maybe didn't do something about it right away? And you felt it start running through the back of your head, back here, your neck started hurting. You started hurting back in here. Or maybe you, maybe you got, maybe something happened to your foot and you didn't go check it out like you're supposed to. And next thing you know, that pain started running up your leg and you started getting blood for you. Anything like that ever happened to you before? Because you know what I'm telling you, what I'm trying to get us to see tonight? 
is that because we are all a building fitly framed together, because we're all temples fitly framed together, the Bible is showing us here that it's important that every single one of us make sure that we're doing what we can as our own temple, because we're linked together, to make sure that we are doing what we can to be a holy habitation, to be holy, to be to be holy like God is holy. Because if I'm not, and I'm choosing not to live that way, then my infection is going to run. It's going to run. And that infection will then go to other parts of my body. And if I don't do something about it, it can be very devastating. And so the Apostle Paul was trying to get these people to see that you're so closely linked together through the blood of Christ that what affects one affects all. If you're doing well, we're doing well. If you're sick, they're sick. If you feel it, they feel it. So he brings these people there in verse 11 that are completely, totally separated, completely, totally separated, and brings them all together, down down as citizens. Then he brings them down together as family. And then, then it talks about how, you know, you're so united. You are so as one. You are so fitly, you are so framed together. And that's it's really that what affects one affects all. Let's pray tonight. Father, we thank you so much for this night. Lord, we praise you for your goodness. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would help us tonight. Uh, Lord, as we get ready to leave here in just a little while. And, uh, Lord, I pray that... Um, that you would just uh, be with uh, the prayer requests that we have here this evening. And, uh, Lord, we have a lot of folks that's on our prayer page. Uh, God, just going through different things and um, just uh, different trials and tribulations that people are going through. And, and God, as we just take a few moments here tonight just to just to pray and ask for, uh, for your goodness and your mercy to continue to be poured out on these different situations. Uh, Lord, I pray tonight that you would just uh, work in every family. God, that you'd work in every heart and Lord, just help us to see tonight uh, that uh, help us to uh, to see tonight that you're there and you're and you're working in our in our families and your and that your, your presence is there and and God, we just pray that uh, that uh, these folks that are going through difficult times tonight that you would let them know that you are that pavilion that you are that refuge that fortress that present help in time of trouble that they can turn to and rely on. I pray God you'd help them to see and understand that uh, that your power is there and you can give that peace that passes all understanding, that you are the God of comfort and the God of love. And I pray, Lord, that you would just be with these folks and uh, just help them tonight in all that they endure and all that they go through. Uh, Lord, I pray that you give us a good night tonight and give us a good rest of the week. Uh, and Lord, we're just praying for Saturday. Ask God that, uh, that the meeting up in Appomattox goes well and that all the preachers preach well and that all the men that come, uh, Lord, that they come ready to hear your word and that it could be that some get saved. It could be that many get saved. Uh, Lord, I have no idea how it's going to be or how it's going to go, but God, you already do. Lord, I just pray that you just oversee that meeting and that your presence would be there and you just bless it. Uh, God, I ask that as we have our homecoming uh, Sunday this coming weekend, Lord, that you'd bless that as well. And uh, Lord, we pray for souls to be saved and we just ask God that you would just move in our midst. And Lord, if there's any of us that have gotten away from you, that God, that you would just speak to our hearts, help us to see and understand how much you love us and that you want us back, come back to you. We love you and thank you for all that you have done. God, we look forward to what you're going to continue to do. In all this, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.